0: Coming up on this episode of The Doctor's Pharmacy. Anger has a chemistry. Jealousy has a chemistry. All of our emotions are chemicals. You have a thought in your head, and that thought is translated into chemistry by the brain. The chemistry goes into the body via the blood and adjusts the genetics. Hey
1: everyone, it's Dr. Mark. To all the healthcare practitioners out there, let me ask you a question. Would you like to make your life a little easier? I'm sure the answer is yes. As a functional medicine doctor, I know you can relate about how complicated and time-consuming ordering lab tests can be. Thankfully, with Rupa Health, you can easily order lab tests from more than 30 different lab companies such as Dutch, Great Plains, Genova, Access, Medical Laboratories, and many more, all from one convenient location. This is really a, a much needed option in functional medicine. Rupa Health has saved me a ton of time in ordering labs and helped me provide better service for my patients. Lab ordering is quick and painless with Rupa Health, and best of all, it's free for practitioners. So sign up for free today. You can find out more information by going to rupahealth.com. That's R U P A Health.com. Magnesium has been a constant in my supplement routine for years, and that's because magnesium is involved in hundreds and hundreds of enzyme reactions in the body, facilitating all sorts of chemical reactions. You need it for better sleep, for cardiovascular health, joint bone health, healthy blood sugar, and lots more. And the problem is most of us don't get enough magnesium. I love to take magnesium breakthrough before bed. It's been critical for my sleep, my energy levels, and my mood pretty much everything. <laughs> if you've never tried Magnesium Breakthrough, it's actually the perfect time. This month, you can get a free bottle of this full-spectrum magnesium supplement that contains all seven forms of magnesium your body craves in exactly the right balance. Right now, by optimizers, the makers of Magnesium Breakthrough, is offering a 14-day sleep challenge. For my listeners, are offering a free 14-day supply. All you have to do is pay a nominal shipping fee. The challenge is simple. Try Magnesium Breakthrough for 14 days and see all the positive changes I just mentioned. If your sleep and energy are not absolutely improved, by the end of the 14 days, you've lost nothing. But when you think about the power of great sleep, you have a lot to gain. To get your free bottle, just go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash free and enter the coupon code hymen10. That's it. To get your free 14th day supply right now and start the challenge, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash free and use the coupon code hymen10. Don't miss this opportunity. It's a limited time offer for this month only. And now let's get back to this week's episode of The Doctor's Pharmacy. Welcome to The Doctor's Pharmacy. I'm Dr. Mark Hyman. That's pharmacy with an F, a place for conversations that matter. And today we're going to talk about a topic that I think should matter to all of you because it's how your thoughts influence your biology. Your thoughts actually are things that actually have direct impact on everything that's happening in your body and your genes. And we're going to talk to someone who's pioneered this work, an incredible guy, Dr. Bruce Lipton, who's a stem cell biologist, who's author of the multiple best-selling books, including my favorite, "The Biology of Belief," how your body, your immune system, your cells, your microbiome, everything is literally listening to your thoughts. Uh, And he's also written Spontaneous Evolution, The Honeymoon Effect, and others. And he's the recipient of the prestigious Japanese Goy Peace Award and has been listed in the top 100 of the
0: world's most spiritually influential people. So welcome, Bruce. Mark, I am so honored to be on your show. I so appreciate everything you're doing to help our world because it's like, let's do some new thinking because the old thinking is problematic as we can see right now. So thank you for uh, uh, stepping outside of the norm and uh, and opening up a new conversation for all of us. And so thank you.
1: Oh, thanks, Bruce. Well, listen, you know, I I followed your work for so long and I think that the book, Biology of the Belief, really shifted my thinking dramatically and helped me understand the way in which Our thoughts and our feelings, our emotions are transmitted to our cells and to our genes and what that means for our health. And it's something that I don't think I really got until I read your book. So can you kind of unpack how you first came to understand this connection between our beliefs, our thoughts, our interpretation of the world, right? Because our beliefs are really a map we make of the world. They're interpretation of how we think things are. And not necessarily even how things really are, but how we believe things are. And then how those get translated into actual physiological changes in our biology that influence how we feel, influence the state of our health, influence the, the risk of getting chronic diseases, the state of our chronic diseases and so much more. So can you sort of, how did you first kind of like figure this out? And then take <laughs> us through the, the sort of the origins of the biology of the belief and the understanding that you've come to through that. And we'll get deep into the weeds on this, talk about epigenetics and gene expression and lots of other, other cool stuff.
0: Mark, uh, this is an ancient history story for me right now, because it's about 50 years ago, oh, even more than 50, I was cloning stem cells. And people go, "What well, stem cells, that's a topic of conversation. But what are stem cells? Stem cells are embryonic cells in your body. And the reason why you have embryonic cells in your body is very simple. Uh, when you look in the mirror, see yourself as a single entity, that's an illusion. You're actually made out of 50 trillion cells. The cells are the living entity, and Bruce is a community of cells. Uh, Mark is a community of cells, Uh, and so I say, well, this is great, 50 trillion cells, and then I go, but every minute, we lose millions of cells. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the number is so hard to imagine, but when you're doing trillions, that number is so big that nobody understands it, it's, oh, trillion, but it's, uh, so we lose a million cells every minute or so, and by the end of the day, you've lost about, Uh, several uh, hundred billion cells, I go, well, how many days can you live if you lose that many cells every day? And the answer is you can't. Uh, And so I want everyone to understand if you're watching this show, uh, the reason why you're watching this show is that inside your body are stem cells, which is another word for embryonic cell. And I say, what are their functions? Well, obviously, what the point is, if you're losing that many cells every day, you have to replace that many cells every day. And so, uh, if your question, do I have stem cells? The answer is, if you're watching this program, yes, you, you do. do. <laughs> Everybody
1: does. Right? But now, how good they are, how old they are, how old they function—that <laughs> varies. But yes, we all have stem cells.
0: So uh, I was teaching in the medical school um, medical students. And I was teaching uh, cell biology and understanding the nature of genetics. Uh, And I go back in those days, uh, the conventional story. Unfortunately, it's still the conventional story because the people, the public hasn't caught up with the science. Mm -hmm. The story was uh, that genes control the character of your life. And I go, well, uh, that was a, a you know, a very unfortunate uh, situation because I say, well, wait a minute. As far as you know, did you pick the genes you came with? I go, no. And I say, if you don't like the characteristics, can you change those genes? I go, no. And then we add on top of that, genes turn on and off by themselves. And all of a sudden you start to realize what we have been teaching is victimization Meaning your life is not under your control. Your life is under the control of the genes and you have no control over them. And all of a sudden I say we're a victim and people, please understand when a person perceives themselves to be a victim, they're perceiving themselves to be powerless. I have no control. And when a person is powerless, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to look for somebody to empower them. Uh, And unfortunately, Uh, Having uh, been a former professor in medical school, uh, what uh, is controlling us is, in one sense, controlled by the pharmaceutical industry because those are the rescuers. They're coming in, your body's not working right, we have a chemical, we'll put that chemical in, you'll be safe, and and everybody gives up and goes, yes, give me a prescription. And I go, let's look at this for a couple of seconds. Number one is this, is, is that, uh genes uh when everybody's been told genes turn on genes turn off let let me give you a very important insight a gene is simply a blueprint to make a protein and the proteins are the building blocks of your body about a hundred thousand different proteins and I go, but proteins are very complex molecules and they wear out, they break down, you know, you put a piece of meat on a plate and come back a week later, that meat's not going to look the same. And I right. go, so your proteins are breaking down, normal wear, but you have to replace them. And they're very complex molecules. So interesting point is the gene is a blueprint to make the protein. That's exactly what it is. I go, so why is that important? My answer is very simple go into an architect's office and she's working on a blueprint and say, Hey, is your blueprint on or off? And she would look at you like crazy. It's a blueprint. There's no on and off. I go precisely blueprints are information, but they have to be read. You read a blueprint. So I say the genes are information, but which genes, which blueprints you're going to look at have to be selected I go, well, who does the selecting? I go, ah, now we jump from the genes making the selection, and we find out that consciousness. I go, number one, let's clear the air right here. This is a very important point. (laughs) (laughs) That the most valid science on this planet today, the most valid science is quantum physics. There's no more truth truth than any other science. I go, recognize a fact. Principle number one, from day, day one, quantum physics, 1927, consciousness is creating our life experience. And I go, this is not philosophy. This is actually physics. And I go, oh my God, consciousness is creating it. Well, in medicine, as most people know, for years and years, only until recent times, did even consciousness come into our understanding. Because well, they I still noticed, didn't have a
1: course in consciousness in medical school, so I'm not sure it's still there. It's not there yet. <laughs> well, that's
0: quite unfortunate because what they're, still predict, you know, what they're still suggesting to the public is um, you're controlled by genes. And yep. if you're controlled by genes, then that means you have no control. And that means you're a victim, and that means we must find somebody to heal us. Uh, and, and the relevance about all that is uh, genes are responsible. This is a very important scientific fact genes are responsible for less than one percent of disease i go well, wait a minute everybody was genes for alcoholism genes for diabetes genes and genes i go no 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 genes are for less than one percent and I you're go, talking about
1: single gene disorders for sort of autosomal dominant
0: inherited. yeah there's only, actually there's about six of them there's about six yeah. dominant one gene you got this gene you have the, like hemophilia you got a hemophilia gene, you got hemophilia. Okay? Or Down
1: syndrome or whatever yeah. it is,
0: right? Okay. Uh, and so the, the bottom line is this, that we have to understand what is controlling the genes. Well, this is where 50 years ago I was culturing or cloning stem cells. And I said, wait, 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 stem cell, embryonic cell, cloning. You put one cell in a Petri dish all by itself and it divides every 10 hours. So first there's one, then there's two, then there's four, eight, sixteen, doubling. At Exponential. The, yeah, at the end of the week, 30,000 cells in the Petri dish. Most important scientific fact, they all came from one parent. That meant they're all 30,000 genetically identical cells. So I sp- split the cells into three petri dishes all dishes had genetically identical cells but i change just stick with me out a minute folks because to yeah, yeah. get to this we're getting, we're uh, getting
1: there. we're getting there again i know you're getting to the answer <laughs> to the question
0: <laughs> i grow cells in a fluid called culture medium a culture medium is a laboratory version of blood so if i grow human cells i say what's human blood made out of and then in the lab i synthesize a version called culture medium well since i Since I'm synthesizing the culture medium in lab, I make three different versions of culture medium. Now, remember, culture medium is environment for the cells. And I make three slightly different versions of culture medium. Let's call them environment A, B, and C. So I have three dishes, genetically identical cells. And then what's interesting about it is I feed one dish environment A. I feed another dish, culture medium with environment B and the third dish with a different culture so medium, different C. different environment, that's all it basically is. But what happened is in environment A, the cells form muscle In environment B, genetically identical cells, but they form bone. And in the third dish, again, genetically identical cells, but a different environment, they form fat cells. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm teaching in the medical school room right next door that genes control life and these experiments say the determination of the fate of those cells wasn't based on the genes they all had the same genes it was based on the environmental input to that the culture medium so i go oh my goodness so the chemistry of the environment was selecting the genes i go yeah and i go okay now that's great what the hell does that mean for me as a human well uh let's just take a jump i'm growing cells in a plastic dish but as a human We are skin-covered Petri dishes. Uh, Yes, (laughs) (laughs) underneath your skin, you've got 50 trillion cells and the original culture medium, blood. I go, so what? I say, it doesn't make a difference if the cells in the plastic dish or in the skin dish, it's still controlled by the environment, culture medium, blood, the chemistry. And then all of a sudden it says, well, wait, so what controls my genes? I go, same as in the plastic dish, it's the chemistry of your blood. And I go, oh, uh, and and then I say, but what determines the chemistry of my blood? And I go, the brain is the chemist. I go, yeah, but, yeah, but that still didn't answer the question. What chemistry should I put into that blood? The brain is going to make it. I go, and this is the, the part that changed my entire life. It turns out and says, wait a minute. Whatever thoughts you have in your head, that's a vision. And what happens is, the brain translates that vision of the thought into complementary chemistry. If you have a vision of love, you release beautiful chemistry into the blood, dopamine for pleasure, oxytocin bonding, a growth hormone. And I go, what's the relevance? I say, when you're in love, you feel great and your cells are getting nourished by growth hormone, which gives them great health. And that's why when people fall in love, they're they're, they're, they glow, <laughs> they're healthy. health, love produces health. But in contrast, if I have a picture of fear, I don't release love chemistry. Now I release protection chemistry. I'm afraid of something, so I put in to my system stress hormones. I put in factors that affect the immune system. and I go well, these, this is different chemistry. So I say, wait, there's a chemistry for growth, love, and there's a chemistry for protection. And that's fear, and I go, what's what's the point? And I said, anger has a chemistry, jealousy has a chemistry, uh, all of our emotions are chemicals. And I say, so what? And I say, well, you have a thought in your head, and that thought is translated into chemistry by the blo- uh, by the brain. The chemistry goes into the body via the blood and adjusts the genetics. So what was the point? What was the starting point of that cascade? And the answer was a thought, and then people go oh thinking you know like oh positive thinking i go guess what for nearly 100 years medicine has recognized yeah positive thinking is very important because it provides for what we call the placebo effect you have an illness the doctor said there's the greatest new pill this is made just for your illness you take that pill you get better and then you find out the pill is a sugar pill you're only left with one conclusion what heals you the belief in the sugar pill. Now, everybody go, oh yeah, placebo, placebo. I go, yeah, but no one talked about, what about negative thinking? Because placebo is positive nocebo. thinking. no nocebo. The nocebo. And I go, equally powerful in shaping your life, but in the opposite direction. Love opens up and makes you grow. Fear shuts you down and puts you in protection. And you can't stay shut down for a long period of time, because that interferes with all the functions of the body. So, guess what? Positive thinking can heal you of any disease. Negative thinking can create any disease. It can even kill you. You believe you're going to die? You're, that's a belief. And I say, so belief, the picture is translated into chemistry, brain, and the chemistry via the blood goes to the cells and controls genetics and behavior. So, your thoughts are the primary control of your genes. And I go, significance, just simple conclusion. The old story, what is called genetic determinism, genes determine the character of your life, that's what most people learn, is, is no longer valid. Uh, it, it is now recognized uh, that the genes are receptive to the signal that you send them. And all of a sudden I say, well, then your thoughts are overriding your genes. I go, yes, they do. And then a conclusion, which Mark has been talking about for years, is, well, then you better start thinking healthy thoughts because it's the negative thoughts that put the chemistry in that that will create any disease. Uh, and, and all of a sudden it goes, positive thinking, negative thinking, but it's all connected to belief.
1: Yeah, it's so powerful, Bruce. This is such a huge insight. And I, I want to get into the weeds on this a little bit. I just sort of want to back up a little bit because I think we, we really... Do have a very granular understanding about how food influences gene expression and epigenetics and our biology. We have a deep understanding of how exercise and sleep and stress, which is sort of a form of our thoughts, but those all we know regulate our biology, and in fact you know ninety five percent of chronic disease is caused by our exposome, everything that our genes are exposed to now it's food it's exercise it's stress it's toxins it's our microbiome and it's our thoughts so i want to kind of dive deep because we've dived very deep on these other topics i want to dive deep on the mechanisms the science under underlying this hypothesis that is that our thoughts influence our biology hey everyone dr mark here Scientists have long known that electrolytes are important in the body, so many daily ailments like headaches, cramps, and fatigue can be caused by electrolyte imbalances. Sports drink companies know this, and they've responded by peddling electrolyte drinks that are full of sugar, food coloring, and other junk that should not be eaten or drinking. But this is what makes LMNT, or element, different. Their tasty electrolyte drink mix has everything you need and nothing you don't. It contains a science-backed ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium to keep your electrolytes balanced. And there's no sugar, coloring, artificial ingredients, gluten, or fillers. Element is used by everyone from NBA players and Navy SEALs to busy moms and exercise enthusiasts, including me. It's also perfectly suited to anyone following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packs free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a friend. Get yours at drinklmnt.com forward slash Hyman. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash and get it today. We all know that getting quality sleep and enough of it is one of the most important components of optimizing health and wellness. But sleeping well can be incredibly difficult thanks to our modern stressful environment. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Apollo Wearable. Harnessing the power of soothing vibrations, this wearable helps you achieve deep rejuvenating sleep. The groundbreaking Apollo Wearable was designed by neuroscientists and physicians to tap into your body's natural rhythms to bring calm, focus, and restore equilibrium to your nervous system. And the science backs this up. Clinical trials have shown that Apollo users can get up to three extra hours of sleep per week when used consistently, including 19% more time in deep sleep and 14% more time in REM. Imagine what your life could look like if you woke up refreshed and ready to conquer your world every day. With the Apollo wearable, that can be a reality for you. You can check out the Apollo wearable and save $40 by visiting apolloneuro.com forward slash Dr. Hyman. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O dot com forward slash Dr. Hyman. And now let's get back to this episode of The Doctor's Pharmacy. Candace Pert from the NIH, who I, I know is a friend of yours and I knew very well, wrote a book called Molecules of Emotion. How our yes. emotions really are regulating our biology. And these there are literally molecules of our emotion that are speaking to every cell in our body. So can you kind of walk us through, now you've taken us from the high level. Okay, yes. You've sort of looked at how different inputs influence our cell biology and our gene expression and our epigenetics. But how, how does that actually work on a, on a granular level? What is the science behind this? Because I think this is where it gets really
0: interesting. Well, it, it does, because uh, up until, you know, this time of understanding, it was a black box. Life happens. Ah, how? Uh, but once we understand this, when I started to show that the environment was controlling the cells, then, of course, the, the, the direction was, well, how does the environment control the direction of the cell? Uh, and it led me way off the trail of genes because genes are just the blueprints. The question was, how does an environmental signal cross into the cell and then regulate the genetics? Uh, and this is the foundation, as you brought uh, to our attention to, Mark, here, is it's a new understanding of genetics. It's called not genetic control. It's called epigenetic control. And people go, well... <laughs> Genetic control, epigenetic, it all sounds the same. But I say, no, it's a revolutionary difference because epi means above. I mean, what do we call skin? We call skin epidermis. I said, why do we call it that? Because epi means above. And so I say, epidermis means above the dermis. And I go, yes, just underneath the skin is a layer called dermis. And the skin integument is above the dermis. So we call it. Epidermis, and I say, so what about epigenetic control? And I go, old story, this character is under genetic control, meaning genes control the character. New story, this character is under epigenetic control. And I go, what does that mean? I go, epi means above epigene, above the gene control. And that's when all of a sudden we started to recognize that the environment is controlling the genes. Now, the profound difference for all the people out here is very important for this reason. While the gene story says I can't control them, they control me, the new story, epigenetics, says it's the environment and response to the environment that controls the genes. I go, wait a second, then that's my option. I'm the one that determines how I'm going to respond. I'm the one that's going to control my environment. All of a sudden I go, then we went from victim to master. If you understand this, then you recognize I have power over my genes through my thoughts. Placebo effect, nocebo effect, that's the the term in medicine of how the thoughts are going to interact here. Uh, And so I said, well, when I started to show this to my colleagues, they looked at me because everybody at that time, 1967, was invested in genetics. Everyone, I, everyone around me in the lab, everyone was genetics. We're going to find a gene for this. We're going to find a gene for that. I'm the only guy out there going, it's not genetics. It's the environment. Uh, and of course, they said, who are you? I said, Bruce. And they said, yeah, that's what we thought. Uh, and they let it go. And I had to work for a while because the missing piece was, how did that environmental signal get into that cell?
1: Yes, that's and- what I want to
0: know. Tell us. So I went back and I said, look, this works on bacteria, the most primitive of all organisms. The environment of the bacteria is controlling the genetics and behavior. So I go, well, wait, there's no nucleus <laughs> and there, there are genes. And I also did some research where I took the nucleus out of the cell. The nucleus is progr- in your textbooks right now. It says the nucleus is the brain of the cell. Go, where the hell did they come up with that? And I go, because they thought genes were like neurons. They turn on, they turn off, they control our biology. So the nucleus is envisioned as the brain. The joke, the joke is the nucleus is the gonad, the reproduction structure. I always joke in the lecture, I to joke, how did a bunch of male scientists come up with the idea that the gonad was the brain? And, uh, you know, it was a big joke and all that, but the reality was, the the brain of the cell has to respond to the environment and then send a message to the genes. I go, well, how does it do that? I started looking not at the nucleus. I started looking at the skin of the cell, the membrane. And I go, why is that relevant? And I go, well, if you know human embryology, guess where our brain comes from? The membrane, the skin of the embryo. And I go, oh, then a cell and a human, both of them, the skin is the source, and I say, why is the skin the source? The answer is simple: the skin is the separation from the outside to the inside, so the skin can read outer environment, inner environment, and adjust the cell. So I start looking at the membrane. At that time, the there there's a principle of biology that is called that the the structure implies the function. The more complex the structure the more complex the function. So if you look at the, the membrane in the electron microscope, it's the most simple organiz- organization in a cell. It looks like an Oreo cookie, dark, light, dark, uh, a little structure, and that's all it is. So for the longest time, my colleagues would say, oh yeah, the skin is like plastic wrap. It just holds the cytoplasm together. But what they couldn't see is in that electron microscope, and you couldn't see there are proteins that are built into the membrane. And I say there are two classes of protein. This is where it comes down to the whole world changes. One class of proteins has antennas, just like television antennas, they're called receptors. Okay? And it's built into the skin of the cell receptor. I go, again, where are your receptors? Eyes, ears, nose, taste, touch, pain, temperature. All your receptors are built into the skin. So you and the cell have the receptors built in the skin. But in the cell, it's primitive and simple. It's a protein with an antenna. And when a signal comes in that is in complement to that antenna, it causes the protein to change shape. And that changing shape is the action of life. Proteins, proteins provide for anatomy. Yep. You can be alive or dead, you still have the anatomy, and it's still based on proteins. A cadaver is a dead person, but it's got all the proteins, they still look like a human. What's the difference between a live and a dead person? The answer is this. In a live person, the proteins respond to environmental signals. Cold, hot, uh, rain, what's going on in the world... The receptors pick it up, just like our eyes, ears, nose. We know what's going on in the world. We can see it, feel it, smell it, taste it. The cell does the same. The cell's actually a miniature human. And I go, so what about it? And I go, how does it see the world? And I say, there are proteins called receptors, just like this is a receptor of the eye. And I say, how does it see the world? And I say, when a signal matches the receptor, causes the receptor to move, And that's where life comes from. It's a simple equation. Protein plus signal equals behavior. That's fundamental about life. I don't care if it's a whole human or a single protein. It's the environmental signal that gauges a protein that causes us to live and move. That's the movement uh, of life is proteins changing shape. So I say, yep, it takes a signal and a protein. What's the difference between a live person and a dead person? They both have proteins, but in the dead person, no signals. No signals are coming in, so the proteins never change shape. If they never change shape, then there's no movement, there's no life cadaver, okay? So, I'm looking at the membrane, and I recognize right away, there are receptors that are responding to these signals, but there's a second protein type called a channel. A channel means like a pipe. Uh, or connection from one side to the other. English channel is a channel of water that goes between Britain and Europe. It's this narrow channel of water, the English channel. A channel is a protein that is closed normally, and when a signal comes in, the protein opens up. So it's closed, and when a signal comes, the protein opens up, and a signal can go through the cell. So I say, what do we have? Protein 1 receptor sees a signal in the environment, Protein to the channel, translates that signal into a signal that goes into the cell and controls behavior and genetics. So I'm studying this back then, 1985, when I, I finally saw it. And it's like my whole world changed because I was writing a definition of the cell membrane. And I gave all the conventional physiological descriptions of the cell membrane. But this night, on this night, I wrote a different definition. I recognize that the membrane is is a crystal structure. If you see it, the molecules, are all lined up like soldiers. Uh, and the membrane has a liquid core, a, a, a lipid core. Uh, visualize a, a bread and butter sandwich, two pieces of bread and a layer of butter. I go, water can soak into the bread, but water can't go through the butter to soak into the other bread because it can't go across the membrane. That that bread and butter sandwich. The butter stops it. So by definition, the membrane is called a non-conductor. Nothing can get across because when it hits the lipid, nothing in water will go through the lipid. So it's separated from the outside. But then you put the proteins in there and like the channel, that's one that opens and closes, can let stuff in. So I say, oh, well, then it can conduct some stuff. I go, some stuff. Because The channels determine what comes in, sodium, potassium, calcium, glucose, histamine, whatever the signals are, the environment, the channel lets the signal come in. So now I'm looking at the membrane, I say, well, it's not a non-conductor because stuff can go through. Can everything go through a full conductor? Nope, nope, nope. Only what can go through the channel, sodium, potassium, glucose, histamine. So it's like, it's not a non-conductor. It's not a full conductor. I write it's a semiconductor. <laughs> so I now I, I define the membrane and I wrote this down, and here's the definition: 1985, about. I'm like one o'clock in the morning. I'm going, the membrane is a crystal semiconductor with receptors and channels. But there's another word for receptors called gate. So I write down the membrane is a crystal semiconductor with gates and channels and i wrote that down and i go i just read i just read that definition where where did i my first computer macintosh and right next to it is the book from radio shack about your microprocessor that runs a computer and i said oh my god i opened up the book in the introduction first paragraph almost a chip is a crystal semiconductor with gates and channels. I go, ah, what a coincidence. The membrane has the same definition. But then as I started to follow the function of the receptor, the channel, the membrane, and put it all together, I said, oh, my God, it's not like a chip. It is a chip.
1: It's a transducer, right?
0: It, it translates the environment with signals that type on the, the receptors. Imagine the receptors on the surface of the cell, they're all these little antennas. I say, imagine that that the these uh you know receptors are uh you know downloading information. I go, they not imagine it. that's what they do. They take the information from the environment, connect it to the channel, and that signal goes into the cell. And I go, wait a second, then the membrane is not like a chip. The membrane is a chip. I go, oh my God, the nucleus has programs. The nucleus is a hard drive. It's got all the programs, how to do stuff. Yeah, but how do you activate the programs in your computer? You type on the keyboard and that pulls up the program. And I go, oh no. The membrane has these antennas, which are like a keyboard. If you look at the surface of the cell, there are all these different keys, sodium key, potassium key, glucose key, histamine, estrogen. I go, what? If the environment has that signal, it activates the key, just like typing on the computer. And that sends a signal into the cell, which controls the protein, signal plus protein makes the movement. And it also controls the genetics. And all of a sudden I say, oh my God, a cell, is a programmable chip. And that's why an embryo cell, before it's, it's been programmed, it can form anything, skin, muscle, bone, brain, it can form anything. So it's a embryo is a chip that hasn't been programmed. So Bruce,
1: how, how does how does how does then the you know when you have thoughts or beliefs, how do those like specifically what molecules, what what neurochemicals, what hormones, what is regulating and translating your thoughts and feelings and beliefs, good or bad, into biological signals that then is affecting your health, your gene expression, your immune system, everything? How, can you just yeah. kind of can kind I of take yeah, us? Well, down to
0: okay, that- now let's let's back it up. The cells are like in a skin-covered Petri dish. They're living in a fluid, just like cells in a plastic dish. The fluid is all around. The fluid chemistry is going to determine which receptors are going to be activated, which then through the channel determines which behavior is going to be activated. So the chemistry of the environment determines which genes and which behaviors are going to be activated. That's what the culture study showed. For sure, for, for sure. This culture medium, you get muscle. Change the culture medium, you get bone. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, then, and then we go back to then the brain is the one that determines the chemistry. And that chemistry then is based on your thought. Am I happy? Am I afraid? Am I angry? I go, oh, these thoughts make different chemistry, like putting it into the blood of the culture medium of your cells. So, so,
1: so is it, is it like, Cortisol is it? uh, Sex hormones is it? Every every uh, one of them. Immune uh, cell like all of it, uh,
0: right? Every one. So for every 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 signal the cell can receive, there's a receptor that is tuned to that signal. Now a very important part about your work, Mark, which comes in here is this. I said the culture medium is the growth medium. It provides the nutrition and the nourishment to make the cells grow. When you eat food you're creating culture medium. That's what the food is translated into. So all of a sudden I could give you a simple stu- insight. When I was growing cells in a tissue culture, I didn't buy my ingredients at Kmart. You know, I went and bought the highest quality ingredients in the world because if I gave them less than quality ingredients, the cells would immediately show a dysfunction. I could look at it in the microscope, put in a culture medium that isn't a really good culture medium, not a good quality, And the cells, you can watch them get sick right there. I'm going, well, what do you think happens in the skin-covered culture dish? You're making culture medium. So there's two parts to the culture medium. Uh, Mark, you emphasize one of the most important parts, and that is the nutrition element. If I'm not giving the good signals of food, then my cells are not responding in a proper way. If I give them a bad chemical food, uh in the cells you can watch them they get sick right away you can watch them die so i go so why is nutrition important i say because that's where the culture medium comes from Uh, uh, and that's why it is incumbent upon us to if you want to be healthy natural organic you know biodynamic food growing healthy industrial farm food is toxic i go what do you mean it's toxic i go I show in the class a picture of a farmer uh, spraying the plants. What The farmer's wearing a hazard suit. My God, he's spraying the food you're going to eat, yeah, and he's husband, wearing that's a that's hazard right. suit. Right. I think, that's you right. know, hello, hello, you know. Uh, and the issue is this, is that uh, genetic engineering, um, trying to manipulate food is a great failure. We've lost the nutritional elements, the the elements, the minerals, the things that we need to have in our food are not really fully present in uh, industrial farm food. And in addition, of course, it's toxic because they spray all the dumb stuff on the food. And that's why if you're making culture medium, I made culture medium. I didn't compromise a thing. I had to get the best ingredients because the cells respond to what, is in the culture medium, the blood. And if you're eating food and you're not putting in the best nutritional elements in that food, then you're compromising the fate of your cells. So again, I I make culture medium in lab, you you eat dinner. <laughs> that's
1: right. That's right. So we got we got we know that the things that are, are hugely impacting us. We all accepted food, exercise, all the things we talked about. The belief stuff is hard for people because it's like, how do you change your thoughts? How do you change your beliefs? You know, if you, if you live in a world where everything looks, you know, like black versus, you know, rose-colored glasses. I tend to be more rose-colored glasses. You can look at the same event and two people have this totally different interpretation and have Absolutely. a profoundly different effect on their biology. So one person can experience the same thing and create positive molecules of emotion, and another person can experience exactly the same thing and experience negative molecules of emotion. So in a way, this is a little bit daunting for people because it's like, okay, if I say don't eat sugar, people go, I can, I can figure that out. If I say don't think blah, 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 or don't feel this, or do feel this, or don't feel more love and less fear, well, that's easy to say hard to do. So can you talk about how do we start to to translate the science into actionable ways that we can change our beliefs and change our way of thinking and change the way we interpret and filter the world to actually reframe it and actually start to generate the power of our thoughts to create health and longevity?
0: Well, let's step back one second. And I said, the function of the brain is to put the chemistry into the blood. And I said, yeah, but where does it get it from? I said, the picture in the mind I go, the mind, yeah, the mind has a misleading character. The mind sounds like, oh, there's one mind. I go, no, there are two minds. And this is where the whole world gets screwed up because we say the mind. Well, yeah, my mind, I should have consciousness and I want to be healthy. Then how come I'm not healthy? I got that in my mind. I go, because here's the problem. There are two minds. And if you don't get this, then nothing makes sense. And I'll give you the reason why. The brain is a computer. That's what I was finding out. The cells are miniature chips. The body's got 50 trillion chips. But when you put all the chips together, that's called a computer. So I say, so what's the point about the, the this computer? I say, let's go back to the old days when you would buy a brand new computer. You spent a couple thousand dollars, okay? Uh, and And the point about it is simply this, is that You get a brand new computer. You just took it home. $2,000. I say, brand new. I say, push the start button. The screen lights up. That's called booting up. It's booted up. The screen's lighted. And I go, now do something. And you go, I can't do anything. I said, you just bought a brand new computer. What do you mean you can't do anything? Before you can use a computer, you have to put programs in a computer. I go, oh, but the brain is, is an organic computer, just like the silicon one you use. I say, oh, we need to put programs in so we can use the computer. So I say, when do the programs come in? I go, ah, the programs start coming in in the last trimester of pregnancy. The fetus is reading the environment. I say, how can a fetus read the environment? It's inside the womb. It can I go, remember, the fetus is nourished by the mother's blood. I go, yep. That's why in the old days when I was in medical school, we say, what's the role of the mother? Eat well, take vitamins and supplements, exercise. And I go, oh, is that all the mother has to do? Well, in those days, it was the belief the genes are gonna control it the mother just had to nourish it. In the new day of epigenetics where environmental signals are important, all of a sudden I say, blood has nutrition, And blood has environmental signals. The the emotional chemicals, anger, love, jealousy, whatever ones you want, they're chemicals that generate those experiences. So if the mother is having an experience, then the blood from the mother is going to go into the fetus. By the last trimester, the brain is now booted up. But now, guess what? It will read pattern. If the mother is has periods of anger, then the chemistry of anger comes in periodically. That's a pattern. The fetus will learn that. If the mother's happy, then good, happy, loving chemistry comes to the fetus and the fetus is happy. So all of a sudden I say, then the first programming occurs even before you're born. Because while you're in the womb, your brain is downloading programs because the mother is Head Start program. She sees the world in which the fetus is going to live. If the world is war-torn, there's war and violence, and she experiences that, then the chemistry that goes to the fetus is the stress chemistry, which will cause the body to build up like an athlete and become a fighter, like a street fighter. So all of a sudden, it goes very importantly, what it says is simply this. What's the mother's perception of the world? If she feels safe and happy, then the baby is getting information. I'm safe, happy, grow, be in love. If she's angry or she's afraid, then the fetus is afraid. Does the fetus know why? No. The fetus has the chemistry of fear. It's just the chemistry. It has no vision, but it knows that out in that world, the mother is giving information that it's not safe. And if it's not safe, then the genetics has to change to make a body that will fight <laughs> to survive versus okay. So that's when the programming starts. But it really kicks into the gear. But
1: but Bruce, how do how do how do people like change their thoughts? Because I think, you know, what you're saying is very empowering, but it's also very scary. As I listen to them, I'm like, wow, my beliefs, my thoughts are changing my biology and making me sick or healthy. Yeah what, how do I use that information in a practical way?
0: Like because we I... did the big part that we didn't get to is I said there were two we have the the programming is the equivalent of putting a program in a hard drive in your computer. It's built in, now it's a program, okay? And then when the conscious mind, that's the creative mind, the subconscious mind, the hard drive is the habit mind. It's got pro- habits or programs, programs are habits. Uh, and so I learn uh, from experiences, I create uh, programs in my uh, hard drive. But when I'm conscious, the conscious mind is like the creator that types on the keyboard. I can type in all the wonderful messages. I want to be healthy. I love life. I'm going to get a great job. I'm going to find a great relationship. I say, oh, that's conscious. That's creative. That's that's cool. I say, what about the subconscious? I say, no, the subconscious programs didn't come from you. They came from your experiences in the environment during the development when you're born. Was your father a happy person or an angry person? Is your mother, you know, you how do you, why why do I need a program? I'll tell you why I need a program. I have to fit into a family. I have to fit into a culture. And I go, yeah, but cultures change over time. And I go, that's why it's not genetic. You have to learn culture. I say, how do you learn? I say, how does an infant learn? They can't read a book. They can't go to school. And here's the secret. For the first seven years of your life, your brain is not operating with creative consciousness, which is right behind your forehead. It's operating off of hindbrain hard drive. And I go, so why is that important? Because the hard drive is downloading experiences. I say, how? Watch your father. Watch your mother. Watch your siblings. Watch your community. In a state of uh, that development, it's a, and the brain is in a, st- a vibration state, let's back up. You can put wires on a person's head and read the brain function, its energy, vibrations. A child's brain, if you put the EEG on the child's brain, up through age seven, it's not functioning at the higher vibration of consciousness. It's functioning just a little lower. It's called theta, theta vibration. I go, so watch theta? Theta is hypnosis. I go, so what does that mean? I say, for the first seven years of a child's life, the brain is not using creativity. The brain is in hypnosis. I say, what is it doing? Observing how a father behaves, observing how a mother behaves, how a community behaves. It observes and in state of hypnosis, downloads the pattern. Totally. Our childhood
1: shapes our whole worldview and beliefs and subconsciousness. So so how do we sort of undo that as we get older? I
0: can't get to that yet because first you have to find out, well, if I have a conscious mind, and it overrides the program because I'm creator. Then how come, as quantum physics said, consciousness is creating our life experience. Then how come the world looks like the way it does? Violent, tearing apart, chaos, all this stuff. It's like, where's that coming from? I go, that's coming from the subconscious. That's not the conscious. The conscious is, I want to be in love. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I go, then, how come we're not living heaven on earth because that's what the conscious mind would create? How come we have this problem? And here comes the answer to the most important part that you didn't even know what the question was. Here's the answer, and the answer is this. The conscious mind can type on the keyboard, just like on your computer. You can put the data in. You can create whatever you want. You can type on it. But the conscious mind, and here it goes, can think. I goes, so what? I say, thinking is inside. I say, uh, uh, Mark, uh, today's Tuesday. What are you doing on Thursday? It's not written in front of you, but I bet you in a minute you could go, oh, Thursday, I am. And you have a picture in your mind. And I say, well, wait a minute. Then when you were using your conscious mind, you were, back up one second. Body is a vehicle, like a car. It moves around. It's got a steering wheel, okay? When the conscious mind, it's got its hands on the steering wheel, looking out the window, it will drive you to wishes and desires. And then I go, yeah, but the conscious mind can think. What the hell does that mean? It's not looking out the window. The moment you start thinking, you're not looking out, you're looking in. I say, what if you're driving the car and you start, think, you start thinking? I go, then you're not looking out the windshield. I go, and I go, don't worry. You know why? The subconscious is programs. It knows how to drive the car, and it's a million times more powerful a computer than the conscious mind. So guess what? You don't even have to pay attention to the road. The subconscious mind will drive it, okay? So I go, wait. Every time you are thinking, then the conscious creative mind is no longer looking out the window, it's looking inside. So every time you are thinking, then the conscious mind's not controlling the vehicle. I go, but I'm still here. And I go, the subconscious has got programs. And so the moment the conscious mind is thinking, the subconscious mind autopilot, takes over. Now I'll tell you where the problem is. Where the programs come from in the subconscious mind, I go from other people. Did they answer what you wanted? Did they, you know, uh, did did their behavior match what you want in your life? Probably not. I go. Therefore, then here's the point, and this is it. Of all the things we talk about right now, Mark, this is it. Ninety-five percent of the day is the amount of time a person spends thinking. I go. Well, wait a minute. Then 95% of the day, I'm not driving the vehicle. I go, nope, 95% of the day, the subconscious programs, but they came from other people, good programs, bad programs. 60% of the programs we downloaded during that development are disempowering, self-sabotaging, and limiting beliefs. I go, but you're operating 95% of the day from those programs, not from the creative program, because the creative mind is thinking. The biology is taken over by the program. For 50 years, I've given the same story, Mark, so I'll give it again, another 51 years. Here's the same story. You have a friend. You know your friend's behavior very, very well, and you know your friend's parent, and one day you see your friend has the same behavior as the parent, so you got to volunteer. You go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. Back away from Bill. I know exactly what Bill's going to say. You know it, too, because you were there. Bill will go, How could you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. And I go, here's the reality. Everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. Yeah. The only one that can't see it is Bill. I go, explanation is simple. Bill was programmed by his dad in the first seven years, knows those behaviors. Those are programs. And then 95% of the day, Bill is thinking, so he's not controlling. So the father program starts manifesting. He can't see it. Bill can't see it. And I go, why not? He's not even looking at his own behavior. He's thinking. So he's not even seeing his own behavior, but everybody else does. And everybody else says, well, wait, that's the same as his dad. And then Bill goes, what are you talking about? Why? Bill's the only one that didn't see it. And I go, you ready for this one. This is a killer. We are all Bill. Every day, every one of us is spending 95% of our time thinking and turning over the control to the subconscious. I go, was that a good program or bad program? Well, 60% are negative. So, you you know, and do you see it? No. So you become, it's invisible to you to see your participation. All you see is it's not working. I wanted to be happy and I'm not. Well, that person did this to me, and this person screwed me here, and th- and you're blaming all these people. And the idea was, hey, you didn't see you were the one that started the program because you're the one that was playing the negative programs, and they're responding to it. And, and I go, that means most people have no understanding of personal responsibility. Most people are victims. I'm a victim of this. I'm a victim of that. And I go, no. so. Are you running your life? I say, yeah, but are you running it with the conscious creative mind, wishes and desires? Or are you running it with the subconscious mind, habits and programs? The answer is 95% of the day you're running it from the programs. Uh, A very important point. Remember, the consciousness controls the genetics. Everyone's thinking, cancer is caused by a gene. I go, that's a big BS. Uh, That means belief system. A big belief system story for this reason, and that is this. There is not one gene that causes cancer. There's not one gene. You have that gene, you get cancer. No, not one. Yeah, that even even the
1: BRCA gene, you know, not, even though it, it's a you know, very high rate of cancer, it's not 100%, which means the environment has an impact. And
0: That's people with what BRCA the point gene, is. You know,
1: 50 years ago or 60 or 100 years ago had less cancer than they do now because of environmental influences of our diet and environmental toxins, for sure.
0: Well, thank you, because that's exactly where the, the issue comes down to, uh, uh, and the issue comes down to this. Where did the cancer come from? I can tell you. You ready? They followed the fate of what happens when a baby is adopted into a family where there's cancer running in that family. The baby adopted baby will get the same family cancer with the same probability as any natural siblings, except the adopted baby has totally different genetics. So where did the cancer come from? Being in the family in that first seven years of programming, cancer is a program, and you can change cancer by changing the program. But if you believe the cancer is uh, genetically controlled, which means you have no control, then you all of a sudden say I'm a victim, and then you want to kill all the cancer cells because that's the technology. And I go, the cancer cells are not the problem. They're the symptom. (laughs) That's the result of a problem. And so you can kill all the damn cancer cells you want, but you never got to the cause of the problem. The cause of the problem was something that caused a cell to become cancer, and all of a sudden we go back to the consciousness and the programming. And the same thing, diabetes, type 2, 100% environment, 100% environment. Uh, and, And I go, so why is this important? Because... As you've been talking about, let's get away from the idea that I am a genetically programmed individual. No, I'm a creator, (laughs) and I'm creating this. And the emphasis is how? Through the blood, the chemistry, two parts, nutrition and information. And the idea about it is this. If you fail on the nutrition, it's like the machine will break down that's what the function is. If you don't take care of the car, it breaks down. When you look in the junkyard and you see all the cars piled up, I say, is that because they were built wrong, genetically incorrect? I go, no, no. It was driver error that put those cars into the junkyard. It's driver error that's responsible for 99% of disease on this planet. So Bruce,
1: this is really powerful work i mean it's just elucidated the the sort of beautiful ways in which you know our environment our beliefs, our attitudes, our thoughts literally speak to every cell in our body and you know it it, it for me it sometimes can be a bit daunting because you know when if you if you are in a negative spiral or if you have you know beliefs that you feel like are so rigid you you have to be able to learn how to rework your thinking you know i I recently had a friend go to Hoffman, which is a sort of a I don't know, it was a seven-day intensive reworking and reparenting of yourself and reprogramming of your brain from your childhood trauma, (laughs) and and it was just profound to see how it helped him to kind of reshift some of the automatic ways of thinking and automatic ways of being that he had. Now, there are many ways to do this. There's many approaches. There's many programs. There's Byron Katie. There's, you know, my friend Shelly Lefko's work, which is amazing, Um, Hoffman, therapy. There's a lot of ways to get to this uh, medicine ceremonies, MDMA assisted psychedelic therapy. But I think it's an important thing to realize that your health depends on your mindset and your way of seeing the world and your beliefs and your attitudes. And it's not a hairy fairy kind of spiritual concept. It's actually physiology and biology. That's it's chemistry. Folks. Word. <laughs> it's chemistry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, and I always, you know, like
1: you always say the greatest pharmacy is the one between your ears and I think it's the we, only we don't have
0: real pharmacy. Conductors.
1: The only real pharmacy. Yeah, well there's other pharmacies. <laughs> it's, a,
0: it's a real pharmacy for this reason. If I take a drug and the drug affects me, that means there's a receptor that is tuned to that drug. That's and I go, right. Well if you have a receptor on your cell tuned to that drug, do you think it was put on that cell waiting for the pharmaceutical company to create the drug? I say, no, if you got a receptor for the drug, that means you already make that drug. That's right. And if you're not That's making right. it then it's not the the problem is why is that drug not working that's
1: right i mean the receptor for mushrooms or lsd or mdma or
0: change consciousness you get opioids out of
1: it. or pot or cannabis are all in your brain and that's why they work so you already have these we actually have endogenous meaning our own molecules that regulate these pathways we just have to learn how to activate them
0: yeah the whole idea about it is that Uh, If you're taking a drug, first thing is this. The the only reason that drug works is because you already have a receptor for that drug. And if you already have a receptor for that drug, then by definition, you already manifest or can manifest that drug. Uh, And then you have to say, why is it not working? I say, uh, (laughs) what's your mindset? Uh, Why do some people, why do people get sick? A lot of them. I'll give you a simple reason. They go in their life. uh, Okay. It has to do. What is the program? Let's start with that. (laughs) How, what, how do I know what my programs are? I say, why? Well, you weren't in, in the last trimester of pregnancy. The fetus had no conscious awareness of what was going on. It, it downloaded programs, but not being aware. You're born, you were programmed a whole year from zero to one. By what? Watching, downloading. I say, okay, tell me the program you got when you were zero. I don't know, I wasn't there. I go, no. Okay, you were uh, program another whole year from one to two tell me the program that you got. And I go, I wasn't aware of what was going on. Two to three at the end, by near three, you can start to remember some images that come in. Okay. So I'm going to tell you right now, simple fact, what are your programs? And the answer is most people have no idea what the hell their programs are. Why? They weren't there. But then here comes the beautiful resolution. 95% of your life is from the program. So your life is a printout of your programs and I say so what does that mean I say look at your life very simple right now just look I say the things you like that come into your life they come in because you have programs to acknowledge and support those but here's the one the things that you want and you have to work hard you have to put a lot of effort into it. I'm gonna sweat I'm gonna make it I'm working hard I'm I'm working hard to make it I go why are you working so hard and the answer you ready simple The program you downloaded doesn't support that. And and so you're trying to override 95% process from a million times more powerful processor from 5% from a small conscious processor. Mathematically, it doesn't work. And therefore, look at your life right now. You want to know what the programs are? You're You're manifesting from the program. So I say, don't worry about the things that come into your life that you like because that program's already there. So don't have to deal with it. But you have to start looking and say, but I'm not successful in relationship. I'm not successful in health. I'm not successful on my job. And I go, we have been led to believe that I'm just a victim and these things are happening to me. And I go, no, that's your own program. Uh, uh, And so I can tell you right now, you want to see what your programs are? Look right now, whatever you're struggling to accommodate or to create, that struggle is not because the universe won't give it to you. That struggle is your program doesn't support that conclusion. So now you have an idea of, I have programs that aren't working. And now, of course, you know, if I wait here, I think Mark will ask me a question. How do you change those programs? But I'll wait until he asks me that question.
1: Well, I, I, really, I really love it. So just tell us quickly, because we have to wrap up. I wanted to sort of just quickly, how do we change that program?
0: Okay. The first thing of understanding is what is the program? Again, look at where the struggle is. But then you want to put in a new program. And I say, well, there are three ways to change the program. I say, what are they? I say, the first way is, how did you get the programs in the first place? In the first seven years, your brain was operating at a lower vibration than consciousness called theta. Remember, uh, some of us old enough remember, the old days, a hypnotherapist would have a watch, and he'd swing it back and forth. And as he's swinging it, and you're supposed to watch it go back and forth, he would say, you're getting tired. You're getting sleepy. I say, Why? because when you're awake, you're functioning from the higher vibration of consciousness. But the moment you fall asleep, guess what? It drops down to the next lower vibration, theta. So if you can be in theta, that's what the hypnotherapist is trying to get you to relax. If you can get into theta, then it's hypnosis and you can download, just boom. So I go, number one way of downloading, get in state of hypnosis. So how do you do that? I say, fall asleep, why? The moment your consciousness disconnects for the evening, the moment it disconnects, the next period of time, a short period of time, the brain is operating in theta, hypnosis. So if you put on uh, earphones or earbuds with a program you want to be true in your life and you can get them self-help programs. And I say every night you put the earphones or earbuds on and start the program. The moment you fall asleep, you don't hear the program. But the subconscious does. It's in a state of hypnosis. So repeating this every night is called self-hypnosis. By repeating this every night, and you have to do it a number of nights because it's not in theta for a long period, but long enough to make a change. Uh, and all you, I love it. What's the? How hard is it? And I say, well, to learn, fall asleep. I go, oh, okay, that's not too much work, you know. I, all I have to do is fall asleep, and the earbuds are going to play a program that my subconscious will pick up. Repetition of that. We'll change the program, so that's called self hypnosis. Number two, that theta phase ends by age seven, but you still learned habits. You learn how to drive a car, play an instrument, drive a butt, ride a bike. I say you learned a habit after theta. I go, how did you do it that way? So number two, repetition, practice. The new age phrase, which always makes me laugh, is "fake it till you make it," meaning you're not a happy person. Then all day long, say to yourself as many times as you can. I am happy. I am happy. You
1: know, I always say that you you can actually act into your feelings or feel into your actions, right? So if you actually can change your actions, your feelings will
0: change, right? Right. And make it permanent. You just repeat it because that's how a habit is formed. Repetition. So repeat the new habit repeat it and repeat it and one day you wake up you don't have to repeat it because now it's downloaded and once it's downloaded you never have to do it again that's the beautiful part so that's number two. First one again uh is uh, self-hypnosis second one is repetition and the third one is a new version of psychology called energy psychology you've listed a couple before mark uh one i use is called psyche what is they basically represent super learning the hell is super learning? I go, maybe you've seen somebody read a book where they just move their finger down the page. As fast as they move that finger down, they read all the words. That's super learning. Well, if you can engage super learning, then you can rewrite a program in minutes. You can walk away 10, 15 minutes later with a whole new way of life. It works. But you have to get into that that super learning. And and there's processes that can get you there. Uh, One of them is called Cook's Hookup. Uh, uh and so it basically says three ways to change at night put the earphones on self-hypnosis during the daytime repetition of a, what you want to be true just keep repeating it just keep repeating it and number three uh, engage one of the energy psychology modalities and let me just offer the public on my website simple bruce Lipton.com. Under resources, i got 25 or more different energy psychology modalities. Mark brought up a few of them. I've got those on the website. Go check it out. There's a little paragraph about this process and then a website. And I say, why is it important? And the answer is this. You want to take control of your life? You've only lost it because you're invisible, subconscious programming, and that's manifesting in your life. Use any of those three processes, and you can rewrite those programs and become uh, uh, powerful. Yeah, yeah, let me just close with this. I, I want to take your time. God. There's a movie called The Matrix, and, the, and it's listed as science fiction. I go, no, no, Matrix, <laughs> is a doc, it's a documentary. I go, what do you (laughs) mean? Well, the premise is everybody's been programmed. I go, that's not a premise. That's a reality. Everybody's been programmed. The Jesuits knew this program and told their followers, and nobody understood what they were saying. They said, give me a child until it is seven, and I will show you the man. What did they know? They knew that the first seven years, give me the child until it's seven, was programming. And the rest of the life of that person, 95% comes from the program. So give me a child till seven, and I'll show you the man. Uh, And then they created Catholic school, and where the programming started. Uh, 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 And the point about all this is, if we understand this, and you start to recognize the truth of what we're talking about, then what would happen, uh, like in the movie, The Matrix, they said you can get out of the program.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what you're offering,
0: right? <laughs> How can you get out? Yeah. And I go, falling in love is the same as taking the red pill in the matrix. <laughs> I love you that. get out of the program. I say, why? And here's the simple reason. Why do you play the program? Because conscious mind's thinking. I say, what happens when you fall in love? I say, you stop thinking. You stay what is called mindful. Why? You waited for this person to show up. They're here. This isn't a time to think and disconnect. It's time to be here, be here now. I go, what happens? When you fall in love like that, you stop playing the program. I said, then what is the result? 24 hours, 24 hours, your life went from blah, 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 blah. You meet this person, you fall in love 24 hours later. Oh, life is beautiful. It's heaven because on earth. Jesus it's go the honeymoon. It's amazing, actually, <laughs> It's the honeymoon. I go, that is what would happen if you stop playing the programs the honeymoon is a creation from the conscious created mind, not from the program. And so when you stop playing the program, heaven on earth, I go, guess what? You can have this your whole life. It's only when you start thinking again that the programs show up and throw a monkey wrench in. So what if you rewrite the programs we just talked about? And I say, well, then guess what? Whether you're paying attention with your conscious mind, or you're thinking and the subconscious takes over, but if the subconscious has the same program as the conscious wishes, then whether you're thinking or not thinking, you're still playing wishes and manifesting heaven on earth.
1: Well, it's, so, it's such a beautiful body of work you've created over 50 years, Bruce. And I think everybody should read The Biology of Belief. You should understand that you actually have the power to change your thoughts and beliefs and that they matter for your health. And check out everything on Bruce's website, brucelipton.com. Uh, thank you. just. For being such a light in this field, Bruce, and, and illuminating a very powerful insight that has the power to transform our whole world and ourselves and our health. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Mark. It's been an honor to be here
1: with you. If you love this podcast, please share it with your friends and family on social media. They'd love to hear it, I'm sure. Leave a comment. Have you changed your thoughts and beliefs? What tricks and tools have you used? We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you next time on The Doctor's Pharmacy. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Hyman. Thanks for tuning into The Doctor's Pharmacy. I hope you're loving this podcast. It's one of my favorite things to do and introducing you all the experts that I know and I love and that I've learned so much from. And I want to tell you about something else I'm doing, which is called Mark's Picks. It's my weekly newsletter. And in it, I share my favorite stuff from foods to supplements to gadgets to tools to enhance your health. It's all the cool stuff that I use and that my team uses to optimize and enhance our health. And I'd love you to sign up for the weekly newsletter. I'll only send it to you once a week on Fridays. Nothing else, I promise. And all you have to do is go to drhymen.com forward slash picks to sign up. That's drhymen.com forward slash picks, P-I-C-K-S, and sign up for the newsletter. And I'll share with you my favorite stuff that I use to enhance my health and get healthier and better and live younger, longer.
0: Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner.